Alright everyone, welcome back to Filmcraft. It's finally 2021. Yay! So let's start this off with the question, Latif. How high are your hopes for 2021 versus the essential garbage fire that was 2020? I think it might be one of the best years in Ever? the last in the last millennia. Well, I think it might be one of the best years of the last two years. Those are very low standards. <laughs> yeah, I'm not expecting much, if I'm being honest. Basically, as long as this pandemic is behind us by the end of the year, I'm good with that. I can't. I can do another call it like eight months of this but after that i don't know i might start losing it how are you feeling with all the lockdowns and whatnot and for those that are listening i'm pretty sure this is going to come out the first week of the year but mm. at this point i'm living in ontario latif's living in bc both in canada obviously ontario's in full lockdown because we are run by a goddamn dumbass and from what i can tell bc's doing a little bit better but they're still in lockdown Personally, it's honestly not that big of a deal for me. I'm able to still function. You know, I, I work from home. I go for walks when I'm able to, and I have my coffee. So, uh, you know, I think there are people who are having much harder time than I am. Um, and then there are, you know, there are people out there who are like, I can't do things. <laughs> And they're like <laughs> fucking complaining with their plumbing and heating and Amazon and bullshit. Um, <laughs> titled bastards. Um, I'm just talking about normal people at home who are like, I'm bored. Shut up. Go read a book. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I'm doing okay. That's good. That's good. And it, with the spirit of this whole thing, what we decided to do for this episode was just have a look back at the year 2020 and just start with a kind of clean slate going forward and start in a way where we just, you know, kind of talk about the positive side of last year, like what we felt we accomplished, what we maybe do better than we did before, and even get into what we saw, what we liked the most, just a nice light episode to start off 2021 in comparative to the 10,000 pounds on each shoulder that we all wore through 2020. So, Latif, um, yeah, just off the top of your head, what'd you think of 2020, man? My 2019 was much worse than my 2020. Um, I mean, 2020 didn't have, like, amazing moments either, but, you know... It was a much better year than 2019 was, um, I guess. But, uh, you know, everything is relative. I think, you know, there are people who are, you know, going through this horrible time and then maybe some other shit happens that's even worse on top of that, you know. Like, your cat dies and it's also the pandemic. Like, that sucks. I think, um... If the only bad thing is this, then it's not it's not really that bad. And it's just gonna prepare you for like the shitty things that happen in life later on anyways. I'd like to in my mind you just gave like the the neutral planet of answers from Futurama. <laughs> mm. 
Uh, but no, I think that's a good thing. I mean, the sentiment of we're all going to come out of this better and what doesn't kill you only makes you stronger. I think that's going to be true because if, you know, in 20 years we all have kids or, you know, apprentices or whatever, people that were nurturing into the new world and they're ever like, you know, oh man, my fucking Google brain chip malfunctioned and my alarm didn't go off. We're like, yeah, we lived through a year that was killing people all the time and we couldn't go outside. It's not that bad. So in a sense, I mean, silver lining, right? It's a learning experience, if anything. Totally, totally. So looking back at, I think one of the the most interesting things, especially since you know, as filmmakers, the industry was largely shut down for this entire year. So we had a lot of time to work on the stuff that was just ours, whether that's, you know, going out, making films, if, however we could, or just writing or developing things. We had a lot of time to try and be better at what we do, even if it was largely just working by yourself, right? Like, So what do you think you're better at at the end of 2020 than you were at the beginning of 2020? I think maybe being consistent with writing, you know, for sure. Because I remember I started writing a script um, in December. Well, not December, maybe a little earlier. But late 2019, I started writing a script. And I had to get it finished, um, you know, at some time next year. I didn't want it to go on too long. And then I, that's when I kind of made my writing log and started, like, recording how how much I would write every time I sit down and how long each session would be. And it was a good way to like keep myself on track. But I think it kind of built a, you know, internal mor motor when, uh, when I would sit down and write. And it, because you do it so much, it kind of becomes a habit. Um, so every time you write, you, you end up producing a similar amount of work or spending a similar amount of time and I think uh, with writing, especially if you don't make it into a habit, it's hard to stay consistent. So that, that was one thing I worked on a little and, and made a little stronger in myself, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You started off the year by writing a script that was like 250 pages or something, right? And it was 180-ish, I think. Not, okay. Yeah, not 250. That's a lot. Even 180. That's a, that's a beefy script, man. It is, but I think it's called for. Like, I think if I made that story, um, okay, you know, but it's a huge story that spans over several decades with like two main characters. So, if I was writing like a therapist drama that takes place in a high school, and there's like one kid, and it was like three hundred pages then I probably would need to look at that again. But <laughs> but based on the subject matter and stuff, I think it's fair for it to be a little longer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you have something generational, generally you have a lot more story to tell. I actually rewatched Zodiac last night, which is even better than I remember it. That movie is really, really good. And I remember mm. thinking, you know, it's it's long it's over two and a half hours but it never felt like that and i think one of the ways that it achieves that is it does that not so much generational but there's 
a large passage of time in it, right? And so by having this large passage of time, you get things that are always fresh because the story is constantly evolving. You know, the serial killer is doing new things and you get the idea, right? But also by constantly shifting the main character, by the end of it, I was like, I remember pretty much everything that happens in this movie, but witnessing again, I was just amazed. It never felt boring. It always kept my interest. And I was like, I feel like these kind of tools it's using the large amount of time and shifting the main character through different points in the story really helps it with that so i couldn't agree more like if it was just on the robert downey jr's character two and a half hours might have been like okay maybe we don't need this amount of time but it, it really works the way that they did it and how i can assume that you've done this script you're talking about now yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, the, it's just the first draft. Like, I'm hoping to refine it and make it a little tighter. It always changes. But, you know, the, like, the bad thing would be if I'm like, oh, I'm just going to refine it and it ends up, like, 20 pages longer. <laughs> that, that would be, like, the, the wrong move. Yeah, I was going to ask, do you think anyone ever rewrites and says, you know, I'm going to make this a bit looser. Like, I don't think I've ever heard something like that before. Uh, I'm sure someone's tried doing something like that. But do you think it was successful? Maybe. Who knows? Maybe someone, like, wrote it and it's just so robotic because it just gets to the point too quickly and there's no, like, nuance to it and they wanted to add a little more. So they loosened it up. Who knows? Yeah, totally fair. Um, yeah, it's funny that you should mention the like consistency in writing because being aside from when I was traveling Asia at the start of the year, which looking back at it, it was just literally could not have picked a worse time to travel Asia. <laughs> um, but aside from that, consistency in writing has pretty much been what's keeping me afloat. I mean, we've had a lot to do with the distribution of what we don't say and you know trying to get new projects off the ground, but the large large amount of my time has been dedicated to writing and i i've never found consistency to be an issue with me especially with writing like i really enjoy writing and sitting down to do it isn't that much of a chore for me but it was interesting the way that the just habit of writing consistently for me literally became like a lifeline because you know the wife and i get back from asia we literally don't have anywhere to go so we have to live with her parents you know we're both we quit our day jobs to go travel asia with the idea that once we were done asia we'd be able to get a new job no problem because obviously the world isn't going to go into a pandemic but all this happens and then i remember days where i didn't write i'm just like what did i do today played some video games I watched a movie hmm. days where I don't write suck. And literally it became like, if I didn't write, I probably had a bad day. Did you have anything like that? Hmm. Not, not exactly. Cause it, it sounds like you, for you, like you need to always kind of be writing. Um, Doing something. Yeah. Yeah. And I think just because of the way that my work is structured I'm bouncing around different disciplines constantly, you know? So like for a few months I might be doing color, like right now I'm doing 
I've been doing like color projects for like the last four months, you know, on different projects. So I've been in a color correction mode and I'm still in that mode. Um, so when I'm in one kind of discipline, I stick to that. So I'm not doing any writing right now. But when I do jump into like a different discipline in, in film, then I really get into that mode. So if I'm in like a writing mode, then I'm just writing. I could be writing, a, you know, a feature and then a script for a short. And I'll just be focused on writing and thinking about writing and character and story. Um, and if I'm editing, then I'm strictly thinking about editing. And it's the same with cinematography. So whenever I jump into a different place, then I get fully immersed into that. And I kind of leave everything behind. So I guess it just depends on what part of filmmaking I'm in. So it's not exactly how you're talking about, but you know, there are days when I feel like, you know, I haven't done anything and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I should do something. But because of the kind of work I'm doing, I don't want to like jump into a different discipline because it might distract me from the thing I'm doing now. That's fair. So do you find it's difficult if, you know, you had an, ed like you say your Tuesday is going to be editing. You've got a feature you're working on, let's say, right? And then say you do like an eight to five by five. You're like, all right, I'm going to get some dinner. I'm going to watch a movie tonight. If someone called you and they were like, hey, man, I need you to do this color thing. It should only last like two hours, but I need it done right now. Do you find it difficult to jump from one thing to another in the same day? Or would you just like to the point where you would say, look, I, I can't do this right now. I don't have the time. Or does your brain like how does your brain react to jumping back and forth? Is there a reason you avoid it so much? Uh, not necessarily like that. You know, like if I'm working on a script and then someone calls me and says, hey, could you color this you know, music video for me? That wouldn't be an issue for me. I could jump into it. It's more about like if I'm taking on a project that's going to take me several weeks to complete. I like to just be in that zone. And if I'm going to write something, I won't like write it right after I finish that project. I'll give myself like a week to just kind of like get out of that place and relax just because I finished something. And then after that week, I'll start writing slowly and getting into that. Because, you know, like, for even for me personally, like, when I do each of these disciplines, I actually have to change my workspace. You know, when I'm doing color work, I have to, like, get my monitors up and make sure everything is plugged in properly. And it takes time to do that kind of stuff. And when I'm, mm -hmm. you know, writing or editing and, and if I'm doing, like, cinematography stuff, then it really changes everything. Like, my room just becomes a mess if it's cinematography time. Because all the gear comes out and the light stands and I'm charging batteries. So I, I think that's kind of part of it as well. That's one thing. Uh, since you mentioned the cinematography, it's something that I actually honestly talk to about my wife all the time. Because when whenever Latif and I shoot a movie we kind of use or we did use the house that I had in Vancouver as ground central. And I think like to you and I and everyone in the movie, it's awesome. And like, I know it was to me, I had a blast, but every now and then I was like, yeah, you know, you really had a good time. It was kind of brutal for me and for your roommate because the entire house would just be gear sprawled everywhere. And we'd be shooting inside till like 3 AM. Meanwhile, Kate and Adam, have to work in the morning <laughs> and you know film sets aren't the most quiet thing in the world so they were champions for that but i can see what you mean by like literally the space becomes something different 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> everyone's got like some sort of thing that they want, um, some sort of thing that they can throw some money at and be like, hey, I got, you know, some people might be a car, some people might be like a, a nice house or a cool watch or some shit. You know, for me, it's just like if I could get a shed, that would just be a dream. <laughs> you know, just like a, a shed with like a secure lock on it. And I could just put all the fucking camera shit in there, lock that shit up and then go in there when I need it. You know, have it weatherproofed. I'm just going to build a bomb shelter and put all my equipment in it. That's kind of what I want. What a waste of money. No, no, it's great because who can say they have a bomb shelter? Yeah, but then when the bomb comes, I'll be like, no, no, don't go in there. My my lenses are in there. We'll we'll hide under the house. We'll go under the deck. It's safe. Trust me, it'll be fine. <laughs> so let's go back to the 2020 thing. When I look back at it, like I did the... If I was to say film-wise what I did the most, like writing would definitely be right up the top, and then finishing up what we don't say, and distribution would definitely be secondary so it's interesting like the other day i went back and wrote or sorry wrote read a script that i wrote at the end of 2019 and the the kind of jumps i've made as a writer in the last year have i mean greatly been helped by the pandemic and all the time i've had to write I, this year i think i wrote like four features, three pilots, or a spec script of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I think a short. So, like, I wrote a fucking lot this year. <laughs> and that's a good mm -hmm. thing, but the reading my writing that I've done now compared to a year ago, I see big, big leaps in a good way, in a very good way. Do you have similar experiences with any of your different disciplines? I would, can only assume you would. Yeah, I think because of all the color work I've doing, I've been able to navigate through projects a lot faster every time. Just because I'm always picking up something different or something new or another technique or something to attack a certain problem. So, you know, I'm more, I've worked on music video, commercial, and then right now I'm working on this second feature project for Color that I've gotten um, just from last year. Uh, so that's a lot of you know time spent working on stuff. And I also you know, did Color and stuff on my own short film. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's just about it, you know, refining the the process that you have and um, you know whatever comes at me next so I, I think there'll be a substantial growth and not just in technical skill but also just in your in your eye and aesthetics you know the more you do something the quicker you're able to like mentally process what the steps you have to take are so but that's not something I can measure I'm just kind of speculating yeah, definitely. It's interesting that you say that because I was going to say, like, it to me, it largely feels like a growing of intuition. And to look back at it, again, looking at it through the writing lens, I think there's a, the few things that helps me the most is 
rewriting I find actually makes me a much better writer than writing a first draft. I think, you know, writing a first draft is really, really hard. I find it a lot harder than doing rewrites. But when I do a rewrite, especially when it's something of mine, going back and like seeing the writer I was at that time and seeing the ways I can improve it and then the ways I do improve it are such a huge thing that really helps that intuition in me grow. And then couple that together with reading scripts and kind of seeing what you like stylistically and how it reads and borrowing from that and also seeing things that really don't work and saying like, this reads like dog shit. I have to avoid this X, Y, and Z. I find that helps a lot. And then just learning more about the craft of writing. Like when you take those two things and then couple it with rewriting, to me, that's really where the biggest growth in that technique and like I mentioned the just intuition comes from so if you were to take that and translate it to something that's a little bit more technical like editing or color or something like that where do you find your biggest um, leaps of intuition come from if that I know that's a kind of abstract question but you know what I'm talking about um, I don't know I mean, I mean intuition is kind of a weird word um, to the, I guess decipher as well because it's not necessarily it's like kind of making a quick guess on something using like knowledge that you're not consciously processing like you just look at yeah. something and, and you're making like a snap judgment based on like what you're perceiving very quickly mm-hmm. so I guess it, it would be like almost like a bolstering up your confidence in a weird way i mean i think that's really what it is what it is just like learning to be more confident in your snap judgments on things but it's kind of a combination of past experience as well as looking at all the variables and knowing what's gonna work and what's not um you know you know for me one i guess one of them would be actually lighting because working on that short film I did, um, it's a lot of lighting choices that I made that I'm really ha- happy with. Uh, you know, when the film was finished and I was looking at all of it, and a lot of it was just kind of just experiencing the the places I was in and just looking at everything and being like, that's good, I like this, I like this. Kind of throwing it all together. And then you just kind of work on it as you shoot something and lighting is one of those things though where you are making judgments based on what you're seeing so you have to be very clear and also quick about like what you like and what you don't like so i think that's something one thing that i got a little better at spotting probably Hmm. yeah and i think that's something that's just coupled together with trial and error right like i can only imagine lighting is a pretty extreme version of you just have to try it and see how it turns out and see what you think of it. Like I can only imagine that looking at diagrams and looking at examples and looking at ways that other people have done it, like that's probably very useful, but until you really sit down and like say, let's fucking do this and you try it, you can, you don't really learn that much. Am I in the ballpark of that? I mean, somewhat, you know, when you're starting, I think it's, there's going to be a lot of trial and error, but, you know, the more you do it, 
I mean, you'll still make mistakes, but you usually want the first thing you try to do be as close as to the mark as possible. So it's really about taking the, the leap and, and making a guess on what you think is going to work. But ideally, you want them to be close to the mark um, and not to be like way off of off of the intention. Um, and it's I guess it's more about like trying to hit the target as as well as you as you can as opposed to trying to like get it right or wrong i think it's it becomes more about accuracy the the more you do it what's your thoughts in terms of just call it artistic direct trajectory and growth like how do you feel about it in that sense uh you know you're given a lot of free time to do stuff so you might as well take advantage of it um you know, making a film was definitely a, a huge part of that. Uh, I think it, it, it's a t- it was a difficult time to do anything. So the fact that I was able to bring out a short film before the year was over, I was very happy with. Um, you know, the people, people. I'm sure there's tons of people out there who are writing scripts and stuff because it seems like the best time to do that. Um, so you know, any little work like that is going to be an upgrade, but. Even just like being able to sit and watch movies, I think that's that's another good thing, um, and it kind of expanding the, the different films you've seen. It's always kind of helpful in some way, even though it seems like you're just sitting on your ass, which you are. But yeah, yeah, man, I think you should totally be proud of that short too. Like, like you mentioned, it is no small feat to get together with people and safely make a movie in this environment so i think you did a great thing and from what i've seen of it you guys did a really good job so you should totally be proud of that yeah it it was it was hectic to to get it all made but i I had a lot of fun and you know i was really grateful to to all the actors who worked on it and they all did an amazing job and excited to have them watch it because i think you know a, a lot of them haven't hadn't been working at all so it was like really exciting for them to like shoot something and work on a project and um you know one of my friends is in the film and he's never acted before and he was so kind of surprised when he saw the film finally because he's always in the scene he's never getting to see what anything looks like so it was like a huge surprise for him it was exciting yeah totally man i can't wait to see it and i can't wait to see what success you guys have on the festival circuit with it um and also that gives a little transition into i think it would just be fun for us to say what we thought of the movies we saw in 2020 like if just off the top of your head what's your highlights for 2020 best movies or movie experiences um well i watched this indie film i think it came out in 2006 uh, by Miranda July called Me and You and Everyone We Know. I think it was his first, her first feature film, and I thought it was really good. You know, regular people going through some stuff in their lives, but it was kind of a sweet, interesting, independent film. It had a very unique kind of style, and I really liked the acting and the, you know, just interesting scenarios. It, it felt like it had like a very clear voice. It didn't feel like kind of like a 
independent film that lacked some sort of personality or something that just kind of felt like an indie film. Um, mm-hmm. I, I thought you could feel the, f- the filmmaker behind the film very clearly. Um, so if it, you know, if anyone wants to see something like that, then that would be my recommendation. I thought it was a really good film. Cool. And what about ones that can't, like if we were having our own Oscars, what would you say is your best 2020 movie? Or even if you want to do like best two or three. Let me look at the list. Tenet, that came out. I didn't watch that. I was going to say, you totally didn't see that. <laughs> no, no. I don't like Inception, so I'm probably not going to like Tenet. Um, yeah, I, I, I just watched Tenet, and I think if you didn't like Inception, odds of you liking Tenet are quite low. Yeah, yeah. Um, I might get around to it. I, I mean, before we get into that list, I just wanted to say, I remember, I think it was this year, actually, I watched that Christopher Nolan movie called Insomnia. I haven't seen that one. How is it? Um, man, I did not like that movie at all. Really? What about it? Um, I don't know. I can't put my finger on it. I, I got through half of it, and then I just turned it off. And then I was, like, eating something, and I thought, well... Maybe it gets better. And then I finished the movie, and I like really regretted regretted finishing the film. No way. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it at all. Huh. Um, Interesting. So was it just like the story didn't resonate with you, or what was it? I it, I found it's kind of boring. Maybe I was just in the, in the wrong mood for it. But that wrong mood has ruined that movie for me. I don't think I could ever watch it again. So. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't for me. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Mank was like the the only one I can think of off the top of my head that I actually watched. Um, the David Fincher film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And give us a little, you know, one or two liner for it. What'd you think? Um, well, I don't want to spoil anything, but there's a couple scenes in that film I thought the editing was just unreal mm. and a complicated stuff, but they did it so kind of smoothly and kind of stitched the scene together in a way that I thought was just unreal. But, so uh, that's yeah. actually leads me to a question because I think you told me that yesterday. What about it? It might be difficult without spoilers, but what about the scene makes you say like, holy crap, the editing in this is great. Well, I think it's timing, um, it's amount of pieces involved, and it kind of leading you through in a smooth way, because um, you know it's complicated, and I could see a scene like that on paper might seem simple, and I could see someone writing it and being like, "Yeah, this is a, a simple scene," and then when you're trying to shoot it, <laughs> and then when you're trying to edit it, you're like, "Holy shit!" Um, and the way it was, you know, concocted was, um, you know, with a, I guess like a perfect touch. It's, you know, it's one of those things you'd expect from, uh, a David Fincher film. Because he has moments like this in his other movies as well. But, um, 
yeah, I just remember when the scene ended, I was like, shit, that's great. And I went back and watched it again. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I don't want to go into it too much. But, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed the film. It's it's the kind of subject matter I'm interested in in anyways. I like that kind of, you know, early 1940s, 1950s, 1930s movie industry kind of stuff. It's in my yeah. house. And I mean, as far as how it looks, Fincher nailed, like nailed all of that too. Um, even right down to like his framing and how the camera moves and everything, it feels like that era. I thought he did a really, really good job in that that uh, aspect. Yeah, I mean, it's got like a very interesting look to it. I definitely agreed. Um, I don't, I mean, I've seen a lot of different movies from different eras so I, I can't necessarily say it looked just like those films but you know I always remind kind of reminded of Paper Moon um, when I was watching Mank and I thought like oh, there's, there's some like similarities between this and Paper Moon and um, I like that movie as well too but yeah I, I think like it, it was a great looking film and you probably should watch Citizen Kane before you watch it just because it yes it would make sense because um, you'd be like what the fuck are they talking about there's a lot of <laughs> you know like in, in insider stuff in this movie that I think it helps to kind of know about but you know ultimately you could just watch it if you wanted to so yeah I definitely agree though if you haven't seen Citizen Kane or you don't know a good amount about it even if you saw Citizen Kane but it was like a decade ago you probably find yourself quite a bit more lost than if you had watched it to kind of like prepare for watching Mank mm -hmm. yeah um, I don't think I saw anything new other than that to be honest that's, that's the only movie you saw this year? Well, I saw a bunch of movies, but I saw, like, older movies. I didn't, like... There was nothing new that came out that I wanted to watch anyways, so... I think the only other one was that the new Miranda July movie called Kajillion, yeah? Like, I want to see that one, but I haven't gotten around to that yet. But, um... Yeah, I guess Wonder Woman came out, but you know, I'm not going to fucking watch that. Uh, I haven't even seen the first one. And I'm definitely not going to see this, this new one. I don't mean to shit on these movies, but, you know, like, I'm a grown adult person, so I'm not going to watch that. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to give um, some reviews of some movies, and one of them is going to be of Wonder Woman. So, trust me, Latif, mm. spoiler alert, don't watch it. It sucks shit. So Love just it. mank, recommend. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> No, that's good. That's good, man. I mean, a Fincher movie is always a good one to recommend. Um, as far as... Honestly, like I was thinking about it last night, and I haven't seen every movie that came out this year. I mean, far from it. Well, closer than other years, I guess, because not much came out in 2020. But honestly, I think the best movie I saw last year was the new Borat movie. If you haven't mm. seen it, you got to watch the new Borat movie. It's actually really, really well done. It, it's hilarious, as you would probably expect it to be, coming from Sash and Baron Cohen. But yeah, it's hilarious. It's got a ton to say about the world. 
it's so freakishly timely and it's got just a great spin on what 2020 is yeah borat for me would probably be movie of the year i also watched that movie um palm springs that like indie darling one that came out of sundance i think it was hi ninja brian you finally talking to the audience yeah i bet you i bet you could pick that up on the mic put leave that in um but yeah i watched palm springs the other day and i thought that one was really really good too so those would be my top two of the year for sure again haven't seen them all but definitely those um i have a bottom two as well wonder woman 1984 was a just gigantic pile of shit and like i i thought the first one was okay you know it's citizen kane compared to this but yeah oh man the second one's a dumpster fire like anyone listening to this that liked the first wonder woman and liked what the first wonder woman was you're gonna hate the second one it like one out of ten it was terrible and then one that you and i actually talked about on the podcast a little bit was that um everything he wanted that one that came out like earlier in the year the Anne hathaway ben affleck movie mm-hmm. that thing is oh there's a there's a lot wrong with that movie but i give it not as bad as wonder woman 84 especially given the resources that you would have to make a movie like wonder woman so yeah honestly worst movie of the year wonder woman gigantic pile of shit don't watch it I have nothing to say. Actually, I'll take that back. No one watch it except Latif. Latif, I want you to watch Wonder Woman 1984. I will buy it for you. <laughs> You'll be <laughs> wasting your own money. For no oh, reason. I know I would be. But it would be used... Like, 10% of it would be used, 90% would be wasted, and the used part would be used so efficiently just to hear your thoughts on this movie. <laughs> Uh, I think that would just be a waste of my time as well. Um, <laughs> again, I'm, I'm not trying to like shit on these other bigger films, but I just don't care about them. I have no interest. Yeah, I kind I of, think that... <laughs> I have, I kind of put Tenet into that category too. I'm just not really interested. Ooh. Yeah, you know, like. Tenant is an interesting one. It's super interesting because, like, the in all honesty, the concept is really, really cool. And the way that, you know, Nolan loves doing stuff with time. And generally, he's quite good at doing the weird stuff that he does with time. And I think that sticks for Tenant, like, all the, the time inversion and stuff like that. It works, and it's interesting. But I don't know, man. The whole movie just kind of felt hollow and... Maybe, like, it needed another draft or two. Like, it was just cool concept. All the ca- I didn't care about any of the characters. Here's one you'll love, Latif. Do you know what the the lead character's name is in Tenant? Mm, let me guess. Is it Phil? No, but that would be awesome. I would love to see Phil. That's the lead. <laughs> no, the lead character's name is literally the protagonist. And I was like, okay, this is feeling sloppy. And he feels like literally, if you were to say, well, what is protagonist? I'd be like, he's protagonist. He's kind of, he's the good guy. 
Like and he has the, no def, no defining wait, traits at all. He's just the is good this in guy. the script? Is this yeah, in the script it, or in the actual movie? Like they call him protagonist. He calls himself the protagonist. In the movie. In the movie, I'm not joking, man. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm definitely not watching this movie. I love how that's the nail in the coffin. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's different. Like I said, the, the themes or not even the themes, the concepts are quite cool. And there's like the action's interesting to watch, but the characters in the story are just, uh, they're not quite there, you know, especially protagonist. He is like, uh, He's almost kind of like Steven seagal but without the air of idiot. <laughs> He's just generic spy A. And it, mm. it doesn't quite work. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. But what can you do? Oh, hey, I know you saw it, and I actually didn't see this. This wasn't 2020, but what did you think of Dunkirk? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, I thought that was one of his stronger films. Yeah, what'd you like about it? I've heard very mixed things. Well, it's very, you know, simple storytelling. And, you know, there's that kind of cutting in between different um, parts of the story, but they all kind of represent a different time in that timeline. Mm -hmm. Um, And they cut together very interesting. I thought that was cool. Um, you know, it's really great cinematography and I thought his um, direction and, and his choices with the actors and the camera and everything were really strong. Um, yeah, you know, all in all, a really well-made film. It's very action-packed and not a lot of talking, so it's very good visual uh, storytelling. And what do you think of the characters? Did they land for you? Yeah, there's good acting from from all the people in the film. I've never seen them before too, so it was it was interesting to watch. Hmm. And this was everything I've heard about Dunkirk is people kept saying how much of a theater experience it was. Did you see it in the theater? Like, would you recommend watching something like that at home? I saw it in the movie theater, but. You know, I have to be honest, like, I've seen more movies at home than I have in the movie theaters over my lifetime in general, so... Oh, who hasn't, man? Um, well, there are people out there who only watch movies in the theaters, so... Um, so, you know, just get a big screen and some good speakers and you should be fine. I'm gonna try it out, because I generally, like, I'm a pretty... I'm a big Nolan fan, I'm not like, you know a fanboy or anything I won't line up to see all of his movies but I think he's a really talented dude and I've heard very very mixed things on Dunkirk but also very mixed things and the opposite mixed for Tenant. so I think if Tenant didn't really land for me and you're praising Dunkirk then that might be one that I have to check out yeah I mean it, everyone's got a different sensibility you know you just gotta follow your gut you know you just have a feeling like <laughs> I I just had a gut feeling I wasn't going to enjoy Wonder Woman, so I followed that feeling. You know, <laughs> I was going to fight my instincts there. Like, you know what? You might love it, Latif. 
get in there. <laughs> well, it's funny you should say that. I had a gut feeling that Wonder Woman 1984 was going to be somewhere between the bad to okay range. Mm-hmm. And I fought through that because I was curious and I was just catastrophically disappointed. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah. I, I think... Um, there's so many movies out there as well. I'm trying to like go back and look at things I might have missed and stuff and kind of digging a little deeper instead of going to like the, the usual suspects. I don't think I could really watch any more superhero movies. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. They're starting to uh, reach their, their limit with me as well. Yeah, I mean, I... I I've never really loved them in general. Um, maybe if I was younger, like in high school or something, I'd enjoy them more, but I don't know. Are you trying to say that you're more sophisticated than us, Latif? No, I'm saying as as people mature into adults, they should leave their <laughs> toys behind. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't uh, like Star Wars that much either. So. Yeah, yeah. And all honestly, like, uh, okay, I'm a diehard Star Wars fan. I love Star Wars, and you didn't see Star Wars until you were. We knew each other to what like four years ago, right? So I mm. could kind of get that. Like, if you were a filmmaker that didn't grow up with Star Wars and you didn't see Star Wars until you were, you know, call it like the 30 year mark, then you might be like, okay, you know, I get it. But yeah, I haven't grown up with Star Wars. Oh, I'm all in. I'm all in. (laughs) Yeah, I could see. I could see if it gets like injected into your brain and you get uh, the toys and everything, how it becomes like a personal thing. Um, I was just never exposed to it, fortunately. <laughs> yes, that's right. Have a big sad face and go watch Star Wars. Mm. All right. Well, yeah, I mean, do you have any last thoughts looking back at 2020? Does it fill you with any emotions you just need to get out? Like, what? what's your gut feeling about the year? You know, I'm pretty grateful. You know, I made it through the year, and so did everyone in my family. Um. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think sometimes I think most people over exaggerate things grossly when they just from like speaking to even to like describing experiences. And I I try to be as as realistic about things as I can be. And I honestly don't think it was like this giant nightmare um, from a personal perspective, which is really the only perspective I've have. Um, in life when it comes to anything I can't speak about what it was like for other people or how it affected society because I was just in my bubble So I think it's good that you can have such a, a level headed approach to it too because especially in a year that had all the the craziness that 2020 was I think it's really really easy to get wrapped up in all the ways that 2020 sucked and drag yourself down with it so the more people that can come at it with that same level-headed approach, I think we're going to be better off for it. Yeah. This has been the look back 
of 2020 film craft style the next episode we'll do something going forward that's awesome instead of looking back and making awesome it's gonna be awesome and if anyone is like annoyed that I keep shitting on Star Wars and Marvel comic movies and stuff I still watch children's cartoons so (laughs) you can shit on me for that what's your favorite cartoon well I I guess they're not really children's cartoons but I like The Simpsons I like Futurama I like Bob's Burgers you know so you can be like yeah well you watch fucking cartoons loser and then (laughs) cool (laughs) cool all right well yeah guys thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week yeah oh happy new year and holidays and all that crap too